Hey everyone, welcome to the 4D Experience Deep Dives with Dan and Drew. I'm Dan. And I'm Drew. And I'm phoning it in today. So, uh... Yeah, Dan picked a really, really great week to skip town and head to the nether regions of the north woods of Wisconsin. Yeah, not just Denver or St. Louis or any, you know, anywhere with reliable service. No, no, no. <laughs> I am... So... I, in the it north sounds a little bit different than our typical episodes uh we apologize but um we're we're we're, we're, we're on configuration b tonight so let's put it that way <laughs> yeah but there's just so much going on that uh we had to kind of jump in here and, and get our two cents in with uh there's a lot happening in chicago there's a lot going on yeah as the catchphrase says it was a lot and uh, yes it all it all kind of kicked off. Was it about? Well, I don't know. My sports day started at like six a.m. with um, the U.S. women's soccer team giving uh, everybody a, a, a bit of a heart attack this morning. I don't, Dan, did you get a chance to to watch that at all? Or I did actually. Um, I did. Yeah. I don't want to do spoilers if you didn't see it. Uh, no, I I checked it out. Um, the Netherlands team was averaging, I think, seven goals a game in the Olympics heading into this one. Well, one particular scorer, I think, has scored like 10 of them. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and I think someone on their team made a comment like, we're not afraid of America. Um, Nor should they be. I mean, they're a very talented team. Um, And I had that thought today, actually, as I was watching the game. I'm like, man, I'm nervous for this Netherlands game. They're really good. And then I stopped myself and I thought, wait, we're the United States women's soccer. We're the number one team in the world. And it's not that close. Like, I mean, we're, we're just coming off of a 44 game win streak and we have pretty much the same players playing. Like we're good. Like we're very, very good. Um, So, you know, you're, you're nervous because it's a knockout game and that, that sweet game at the beginning was, not our best, uh, but I don't think you're going to see that team again for a very long time. So everything up from there. Um, but yeah, no, it was a fun game for sure. A little nerve wracking. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it started off with that, and then we progressed kind of into the midday, where you know the actually the the on on field stuff wasn't necessarily happening and. Just happened to, to click over to, I think ESPN did a um, some sort of a, a trade deadline baseball special, and that's when everything effectively kicked off. Um, so a couple moves happened before tonight, and then we had a whole whole bevy of moves happen tonight in the span of about two hours. So I know the first big the the first big piece to fall uh, at least. For the Chicago Cubs, we knew this was kind of coming. Uh, that would be Anthony Rizzo going to the Yankees. Uh, Dan, you got the particulars on who they they received back, right? Yeah, um, they picked up outfielder Kevin Alcantara and right hand pitcher Alexander Vizcaino. Um, they're good prospects from the Yankees. Uh, one of them is a top 10 prospect. The other one is just outside of the top 10 for Yankees prospects, uh, which is good. That's good. 
Um, but for the face of your franchise over the last decade, uh, really, that was the best you could do. Um, I'm not super thrilled about it. Um, I, I gotta think, say th this one hurt. Proved to be, I think the trade market in general, um, and that's kind of how these things go. You know, when it didn't happen multiple days in front of the deadline, um, I don't think anybody was getting what they thought they were going to get back for some of this marquee talent. I think that was kind of the theme across the board. I, I know Pittsburgh didn't get a whole lot back for, you know, the guy you wanted in, on the south side, um, Adam Frazier. Um, that didn't come to fruition as much as we thought it was going to. And oh, I'll, I'll get to that. I'll get to that soon. Didn't didn't pan out the way that you thought it was going to be. I mean, they get they get some prospects for for Rizzo, but you know, maybe not as much as they could have. But I don't know that they had, especially given how the team had looked in the in the past few days, um, a whole lot of bargaining power here. So I think they probably got the best that they could. I hope so. Uh, it's just Rizzo, you know, Bryant, you expected Baez, you might've expected with their contracts coming up to an end and they want big money. Um, and you know, Ricketts isn't going to pay big money, especially for those two underwhelming players, but Rizzo, you thought, Hey, maybe we could re-sign him. Um, and he could be that guy, uh, that we could build around going forward. Um, and he's been such a great staple in the city of forget the on the field stuff. He's been a great ambassador for, um, for, for cancer research, uh, and, and doing a lot for the community outside of Wrigley field. Uh, that one hurts to see him. Uh, and look, he, he started, he debuted for the New York Yankees today. He was wearing his Chicago batting gloves, uh, and he took one out to right field at Yankee stadium, um, which, you know, it's a great setup for him. Left-handed bat, short porch and right field. He's going to hit a lot of those home runs at Yankee Stadium. Um, it hurt. It hurt a little bit. That one hurt. Uh, just to see him kind of switch uniforms. And I, I know his family was taking pictures uh, around Wrigley Field right before uh, the, this trade deadline day. Because, I mean, I, they knew. I'm sure Jed Hoyer was very open with all of them saying, like, we're going to trade you if we can. Um, yeah, I so, think this was not, I don't think this was a secret by any stretch. No. Um, but Rizzo was the one that hit me in the chest hard. I was like, I can't believe he's not going to be a cub. That one hurt. <laughs> well, I think it's also the realization that, you know, that this thing was, was actually happening and, you know, as every day kind of went by that it didn't. You know, I think it's natural to tend to want to grasp onto what we know, what's familiar. Look, this is a group of players that did something that hadn't been done in this town in a hundred years. So just basically, so um, yeah, I, I get it. I, I understand that. You know, the the I understand the feelings. I understand the fact that you know it's never going to feel like they got. I don't, I, it, it probably wouldn't have mattered. They could have got a bevy of, of prospects, but I mean, those are darts on a dartboard as far as I'm concerned. Some of them hit, some of them don't. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of, lot of raw emotion and, and I get it. And, you know, some of it's entitled. Um, some of it is totally, has complete merit. And, 
but I don't know. I mean, it, it's 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 one thing to try to to fawn for that past achievement, but we've seen what happens with this group when the weather gets cooler, when we get into October, and how horribly, horrifically frustrating that was to watch. Strikeout, 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 pop out. <laughs> you know, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. When we made the playoffs, which, again, just to even get there is a hell of a feat. So um, it, it felt like it was time, at least to me, um, so yeah, I mean, I get, I get the pain, but I, I, I'm hopeful that, you know, at least if nothing else, you didn't do this thing half arsed. You went in full arse and went way in because not only did Rizzo leave, um, then we had kind of the block, what I would have said the blockbuster trade was, and that was trading Craig Kimbrell two of all teams, the Chicago White Sox. Hello, how you doing? Dan, tell us about that one. Well, it, you know, it's something we've talked about. Oh, well, something I've talked about is like, no, hey. speculated on this, and we said, you know, what a look it would be to have Kopech, Kimbrel slash Hendricks, Hendricks slash Kimbrel at the end of your life. That so arguably know. might be the best three bullpen guys any team ever has thrown out there. Is that fair? To, uh, there have been better single individual relievers. About the only the only thing that they're not is they're not all they're all right handed. Um, fair. So you throw yeah. maybe if Aaron Bummer can be a little bit more consistent, you throw that in the mix. Um, I'm not ready necessarily to give up on him. I know he's kind of had an up and down year, but you know that's that's a whole other element. If if he's even close to what his potential is. That's huge. Uh, yes. Uh, no, I, I absolutely. Uh, the White Sox bullpen just became the best bullpen in Major League Baseball. I, I can't think of one better. If the Sox can just have a lead going into the seventh inning, you're practically won a game unless one of these guys just has an off night, which is possible. Oh, no. But, but... but man, um, I mean, Kimbrel's having – possibly his best season ever, which is a statement. ERA. That's a statement because he's arguably a Hall of Fame reliever. Right. Um, so him having his best season ever, that's not a throwaway comment. Um, and if you're the White Sox, in my opinion, I think you double down. You you get Craig Kimball and you give up an injured Nick Madrigal and you give up Cody Hoyer, which solves two problems in one. You get you solve your bullpen issue, and you also kick out a guy that has been a bullpen issue. It's a double win for the White Sox. Um, I, if you've been listening to our episodes, you know I'm not a fan of Cody Hoyer. Listen to our last episode when he gave up a three-run homer as we were recording. I'm not happy with Cody Hoyer. Um, so if you're a White Sox fan, thrilled. With this trade, I couldn't have gone any better for you, I don't think. Some people are upset because Madrigal's the second baseman for the future, but he's yeah, a contact guy, he's hurt. Future. I don't think a Hoyer is, is a pitcher necessarily for today. I mean, he will pitch for the Cubs this year, but the hope is is that, you know, he maybe change of scenery, change of clubhouse, can try to fix, you know, some of the issues that he's having because the raw talent I still think is there. Um, it just kind of, I don't know if the pressure got to him. I don't know what happened here. 
Um, well, recently, it just doesn't work. Well, recently, in the last day or two, I, I there's been so many trades and transactions here. Forgive me for not knowing the exact day that this happened, but uh, Ryan Tapera from the Cubs, who's had a very good year, gets traded to the White Sox. And um, so that's two uh, <laughs> bullpen guys going to the south side. And that trade was for Bailey Horn, who's like a high A pitcher, not having a good year, by the way. He's having a really rough time in high A. But anyway, um, so the White Sox get Ryan Tapera from the Cubs. And right there, you're thinking, oh, well, maybe the conversation was around Kimbrel, but the Cubs are like, well, you can't afford him. This is what you can't afford. Um, well, that proved to be wrong. Uh, so I, I, it'd be interesting to be a fly on the wall in any of these conversations. Um, but I wonder how the White Sox went from Ryan Tapera and bringing him in as what Cody Hoyer would have been a middle relief. If you need a guy in the sixth, seventh inning, that's your dude. Yeah. yeah setup guy. Right. Um, to then going like, well, that's nice that we got Tapera. That's awesome but we still want that guy. Like, how do we get him? Um, and I just want to know why Hoyer kind of settled on Hoyer and Madrigal. It's, I mean, Madrigal, I get. Uh, Madrigal would have been a good player to have between 2017 and 2019 for the Cubs. Well, it, he solves the problem, at least when he's healthy and what he projects to be. He solves your, your playoff lineup problem a little bit. And he becomes your leadoff player that the Cubs have so sorely needed. Exactly. I mean, somebody to set the table to get on base, to hit for contact. Right. Strike out all the time. I mean, his nickname on the south side was Nicky Two Strikes because he was his batting average apparently would go up when he would get two strikes on him, which is just an abnormality. Well, you know who else does that is Rizzo. Wouldn't it be nice to have those two in the same lineup, <laughs> roughly a batter away from each other? Um, would have been nice. So it's a little frustrating to be like, well, now we got our leadoff guy, except now we have no one behind him on the north side to drive that run in. Jason Hayward is pretty much your only bat left at this as <laughs> at this point, which is a little scary. I mean, you have Hap and you have a couple other guys, but it's like, man, the three that they gave up today, and we haven't even talked about Baez yet, so. It's, yeah, that was, uh, that was the one that I think the trade I think that surprised me the most. It, it wasn't where he went, but I I did not think that they were going to move him. I thought that was the one the one guy I thought that was going to survive all this. But uh, Javi Baez goes to the meet the Mets and Mr. Met and gets to play with his friend Francisco Lindor. Um, yeah. <laughs> this, this is another interesting trade because it's Javi ba it's not just Javi Baez it's Javi Baez one of our starters Trevor Williams and we sent cash to the Mets and what did we get back outfielder Pete Crow Armstrong that's what we got back that's the only thing we got back uh, the only player we got back so that's an interesting uh, trade to say the least um you're hoping Pete becomes a big, big player for the Cubs. Uh, otherwise, this trade looks real weird. Um, I get that you're probably not planning on – clearly they weren't planning on paying Baez this offseason. I, I think that's fairly ob obvious at this point. So 
Oof. Well, and whether whether it it came to fruition at the end, I mean, I don't know. We haven't heard a lot from from the teams necessarily uh, about all this, but uh, yeah, I mean, talk about a whirlwind. I did not think it was going to be everybody. I I, I figured they were going to do some house cleaning, uh, but I didn't think they were going to basically take it down to the studs. And Drew, do you realize? That in the last 24 hours, because they put Nico Horner on the injured list, in the last 24 hours, their entire infield is gone. Well, we their thought entire... that, could, that could potentially happen. I mean, that's it's... insane. Yeah. And half their bullpen, because Andrew Chafin, the, who we also thought might go to the White Sox, um, actually ended up going to the A's for a first baseman and a minor league pitcher. Um. <laughs> Even Jake Marisnik is not immune to the trade uh, cycle. He he goes to the Padres for uh, right-hander Anderson Espinoza. The Cubs were busy, <laughs> very very busy today yes. and in the week leading up to off of its hook, man. Yeah, it's um, it's crazy to think about. I'm looking at the list now, and it's a daunting list. Uh, and I've seen on social media already people saying like, well, I'm glad I went to a Cubs game last week because nothing to really see there now other than the beauty of Wrigley Field and the history of, of, of that. Uh, you wonder if Ricketts will adjust prices of Cubs games now that... Uh, oh, that ain't not, I know. I know. Don't, 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 no. You're expecting a little too much there. Well, this is going to test Cubs fans' patience because you're coming off of a World Series. You're coming off of maybe the most successful stretch run since the early 1900s for a Cubs team. How do the fans react? You know, this has been the lovable losers uh, for a long, long time, except now you're coming off of success. And now you're going to have a down spell where you're not successful. How are fans going to react to that? It'll, It'll be an interesting time on the north side. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so I guess flipping the page over to the south side, we, we talked about the sellers. Uh, now now the Sox were the buyers. Uh, obviously, we talked about the Kimbrel deal. It's a para pickup. Uh, they picked up a second baseman from Cleveland. So, Dan, tell us about him. Yeah, they picked up um, Cesar Hernandez from the Indians, or should I say Guardians? Um, for left-hand pitcher Connor Pilkington, um, Cesar Hernandez is more of a power hitting. I think he's got 18 home runs coming into this trade, but he's hitting like 260. I want to say something like that. Like not a spectacular batting average. Um, can play some defense, which the Sox sorely need, uh, at that position, but Obviously, you know, my heart was set on Frazier from Pittsburgh, as you mentioned earlier, um, who can hit for average and and play defense, play multiple positions. And the Padres snapped him up pretty quick in this process. Uh, So now they're throwing out a lineup with like four all-stars right at the top of their lineup. Padres are loading up uh, because they have to, because the Dodgers are loading up. That's a separate conversation. But... um, no, so we end up with uh, Cesar Hernandez. Okay, I mean, for me, it's like, okay, 
I mean, dude, um, what's a gold glove second baseman? I know he's not putting that, those defensive metrics in so far this season, but uh, if he can even come back to that form even a little bit, I mean, we've talked about defense being a, a need. I, I think they addressed the issue. I think they were – I know there were a couple stories that said the, the Sox were really, really big in on Trevor Story. Um, did he end up moving – you know, I kept on a lookout for his name, and I didn't see his name at all. I didn't uh, see his name at all either. And he was like a big trade piece that a lot right. of teams were looking at. And I don't think he moved. I could be wrong, but I didn't see his name at all. So, I mean, it could have been that, you know, the price just got too high. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Or Baez becomes available and everybody's crying to clam, uh, clamor for Baez. I, I don't know. Um. But for the White Sox, um, obviously bullpen was their focus, which I think aces there. I don't, I don't think there's anybody that can claim that they didn't. Oh no, I think they've addressed that. <laughs> oh, they they locked that down for sure. If, if these pieces don't all fit together, something something really weird is going to happen. So, uh, yeah. So bullpen, I don't think went from, I wouldn't say a weakness, uh, weakness is too harsh, but like a concern to uh, now it's a lockdown bullpen. Um, and I think the White Sox weren't terribly active, really, uh, com- especially compared to the Cubs, but, um, Yo, but they're also sold half a team. And, and I'm not being exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating when I say that. Yeah, you're banking on, you know, Eloy Jimenez to come back which she has officially come back uh, in a big way. And you're banking on Robert to come back soon. Well, there's two big bats that are coming for you. Um, those are acquisitions in themselves. Um, I just, it's a lot of pressure on Tim Anderson now to get on base ahead of these big bats. Uh, and if he's not hitting, that could be an issue, but um that's nitpicking, quite honestly. Uh, I'll admit it's it's. I was gonna. Say, I, I seem to remember the dude leading the league in batting average last year. I mean, I know he's not there this year, but I I don't think that's a huge problem. He's had a lot of one for fives and and so on and so forth. But uh, again, it's nitpicking. I'll fully admit to it. It's nitpicking. This roster looks really, really good. Um, not a lot of holes in it, especially if Robert. It is slowly getting healthy. I mean, we 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 think Robert will be back probably within the next week or two. Um, amazingly, Yasmani Grandal might be back within a couple, or at least starting his rehab within a couple of weeks, which is definitely ahead of schedule. So, those are two very positive things uh, for the White Sox. So, I mean, this was they they both leaned in both. I would say if you're to sum of this trade deadline up between the Cubs and the Sox, both general managers leaned into the roles that everybody expected them to play. We expected the, the Sox to be sellers or excuse me, the, the Sox to be buyers. They went and bought and they went and bought in the, in the areas of need that they, that a lot of people had said, this is, these were the areas of need that, that you had to go get. You needed a new second baseman because Madrigal got hurt. They went and got one. They needed to show up that bullpen. They went and got Tapera, who's having a great season, and you've got the best closer on the market, bar none. Um, so where 
you know, you're going to be able to use Liam Hendricks probably not quite like the, the, the Indians used Andrew Miller back in the day, but if there's a, a, a big out to go get, I know Hendricks doesn't really care when he pitches. So, you know, throw that in and Hey, get us out of a jam. Well, that, that is something you got to watch. Cause I don't know if Kimbrel, Kimbrel is one of those closers. That's a stereotypical closer. He likes to know where he's going to slot in right. and he wants to that's be there consistently. That's, that's now his, there will be his effect. Normal ninth inning. I think Hendricks is the guy that, that is a lot more flexible, a lot more fungible to those types of situations. I wouldn't put Kimbrel in those situations. So. Agreed. I, I think that's when you start to mess with his vibe that he has. <laughs> the vibe, the presence on the mound, all of mm-hmm. that. Um, but I, I just got to say, again, I, I think Han did a phenomenal job at this deadline, and I, I don't think the Cubs did so hot. Um, and I, I know you said the the market and, and what players might be worth and, and such. But, man, you look at the Cubs' recent history, and I get that Epstein was still the, uh, the, the president of operations and such and making a lot of those calls, but Hoyer was still there. Um, and we got the best closer on the market, Araldis Chapman. What did we give up? We gave up a top three prospect in our system, Glabar Torres. We didn't get that from the White Sox. Cubs didn't get that. Um, the Cubs trade Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease to the White Sox for Jose Quintana. Like, man, Han has been fleecing the Cubs here a little bit. I, I think he fleeced them on that deal, and I think he fleeced them here as well you got to kind of look at this Cubs front office a little bit and just be like, what are you doing with some of these trades? Well, and you I hope something it, pan out, but I think man, it, it was, it was to tear it down. And they did that, that they accomplished. It's just, you, you got to tear down with a plant. Like when originally tearing down to the pre 2016 Cubs and trying to, he made miracles happen. He got rid of Alfonso Soriano's contract. He got rid of Carlos Zambrano's contract. He got rid of Carlos Marmol somehow, some way. And I, I know he didn't end up panning out long-term, but you traded Jeff Samarja to the A's. And what you got back was their number one prospect at the time, which was Addison Russell. And I get that he didn't pan out long-term, but he was still there when you won a world series. So it's like, you're hoping you tear down like Epstein tore down pre 2016. This doesn't strike me as that. Cause we didn't get those top tier prospects that we got back pre 2016, but I don't know. Maybe there's, they know baseball more than me. Maybe they're seeing something in Pete Crow Armstrong that I, or other baseball people haven't seen. I don't know, but we'll see. Yeah, I think the jury's going to be out. I mean, it's it's easy on day of to to, to make it or to try to make a call on it. Um, but I think ultimately it's going to be uh, the question that that I think that comes up is it's it's obviously now longer than a one year rebuild. It's it's probably a two or three year rebuild at least. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. 
you know, like I said, had they kept like Baez, had they kept one of the pieces, I would say, okay, you know, you could find a couple other ancillaries here and there. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's a tough, I think the road got a little longer. I think you're right about the, the plan base is going to have to have some patience, but I'd like to think that they've gotten enough goodwill, at least with Hoyer. I understand nobody right now is a big fan of the owner. Um, no. Especially, he put out a five-sentence statement about the three stars he traded away. Ended with a thud. <laughs> Are you kidding me with that? A five-sentence? Man, you got to put out like a full page in the Tribune. Come on, man. Those three players got you a World Series. Give them something more than like a five-sentence statement on Twitter. Come on. Killing us. Yeah, it's no Ricketts does not look great right now <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Um, no, and does not look good. Do you think since obviously they're the f- big parts and, and Lester too, who by the way also moved today, and Schwarber moved a lot of Cubs moving places today. Um, Schwarber goes to the Red Sox, Lester goes to the Cardinals, which will be surreal seeing him in a Cardinals uniform, but. Um, do you think any of them get their number retired by the Cubs? Probably at some point. I, I think it's going to... I think Rizzo for sure. I think you have to. Rizzo should... Just for what he meant. Bryant yeah. maybe. Baez, I don't think so. But Bryant maybe. Got Bryant an MVP. And maybe, maybe Lester. Hmm. But that's a stretch. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We've got to see who ends up in the Hall of Fame, too, because the Cubs like doing that. Like, uh, players that we've had going to the Hall of Fame, great, let's retire their number. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but, yeah, uh, man, it, it was a tough day on the north side, and if you're on a south sider, you're pretty darn happy, or you should be, at the very least. You should be pretty oh, happy with full, the south side. Full let's go. I mean – I don't know if any of this will ultimately defeat the behemoth that the LA Dodgers have turned themselves into. Um, an all-star team. They turned themselves into an all-star team. But like we, I was almost joking with, with, with you earlier where I said, there's only one team that's got to come out of the NL. You only got to beat one of them. Yeah, so Padres or Dodgers? Pick one. Well, right. But playoff baseball is weird. And odd things happen in it. And True. I mean, sometimes be the great equalizer in that the best overall team gets the number one seed in the for the for the postseason, no doubt. The sample size is large enough, 162 games. Totally understand that. The best team does not always win the World Series. That's very true. I, I think right now the White Sox are far and away the best team in the American League. And I get that they're the Rays and the, the Red Sox and uh, the Astros, who we've struggled with. Um, but I, I think the White Sox at least have the pole position right now in the AL. And, uh, yeah, man, the Dodgers, Max Scherzer and Trey Turner from the Nationals to the Dodgers. Uh, oof, that is a loaded pitching staff. And then, you know, the Padres get Daniel Hudson. Um, there's a couple of other interesting trades going on. I mentioned the Cardinals getting Lester and, and Hap from Minnesota. Uh, the, the Braves, I think, 
got every outfielder who was on the, the, uh, on the market. I mean, they just traded for every outfielder that's plausible, starting with Jock Peterson. Um, but they got uh, Jorge Soler today from Kansas City, another former Cub. Um, and I think they got Adam Duvall as well. I mean, they've just got every outfielder that they could. The A's got Josh Harrison and Jan Gomes from the Nationals. So if the Cubs traded the most talent away, the Nationals were right there because they basically traded away their entire team as well. Uh, and they played each other tonight. So, yeah, hey, that's fun. And, and of irony, you know, having a sense of humor, because the Nationals were playing each other. Yep. And I think there was at one point the tweet of all of the names that the Cubs had to bring up to basically fill out a roster. Uh-huh. It, it, I sometimes refer to the unknown players as Zip and Pip, but my God, that was the zippiest and pippiest call-ups that I've ever seen. Uh, like I said, they, uh, like I said, they literally just got rid of, and one was because of an injury, but they literally just had to refill their entire infield. Like, darn, like that's that's hard. It's hard to do. But, I mean, the Nationals are in the same position tonight. Uh, I believe the Nationals won that game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, four to three. Yeah. So, um, Cubs fans, be prepared for a whole bunch of L's on the north side from here on out. Um, But hopefully gearing towards a better future? Well, yeah. I mean, I think, yes. I I think it's about... It, it becomes no longer about where the team finishes record-wise this season. Um, it's about seeing what, you know, you just put some stuff in the cupboard, let's see if any of it's worth sticking around or hanging on to or potentially flipping for other stuff. So, you know, I, I this is the, the ripping of the Band-Aid part is always the worst. It's always the, the toughest part. Um, and that's what happened today, I think. Yeah, you know, and and Hoyer came out and he said his statement about, like, look, if we were still in the hunt, like they were a month ago, um, would they have stuck it out and risked losing all of these players to free agency and getting nothing in return for them? And he said, yes, if we were in the hunt, we would have stuck it out and rolled the dice and see what would have happened. But we're not, and we were competing for fourth place in the NL Central, uh, so what's the point? Uh, you know, it's, uh, what are we doing? So he's hinted that they're going to make a run at Rizzo and they're going to make a run at, at Bryant in free agency. If that opportunity presents itself. Um, great Rizzo, you might get back. Cause you know, uh, he might not ask for the world. Uh, right. Brian is going to look to, to make some money and, and Baez, I don't think, I think Baez is going to enjoy playing with his buddy Lindor. I think so too, even though he's probably going to have to switch positions. I think Baez is going to maybe end up playing second in New York, maybe third, which he can do. Um, I don't think Lindor's given up the shortstop spot. Even though Baez, even struggling as he is, Lindor has been rough in New York. He's gotten booed a lot. He's just not hitting, which is weird. But they're in first place in the NL East, so good on you, Mets. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. 
So I guess that pretty much kind of wraps up the baseball discussion. Um, we had another team make a plethora of moves, and that would be the Chicago Blackhawks. So, Dan, why don't you take us through a couple of the, the new signings, and I'll try to provide what depth I know. Oh, Drew, this is a lot of this is a lot of stuff too. Okay. Uh let's uh let's just recap what the Blackhawks have done here. Uh they traded Duncan Keith and uh Soderlin to the Oilers for Caleb Jones and a third round pick. Why am I mentioning that trade? Well, Caleb Jones is a brother of Seth Jones. And once that trade came down, we we're all like, well, the Blackhawks need a top-tier defenseman. Let's go get him. They acquired Seth Jones from Columbus and uh, picks. There were a bunch of picks in this trade. Um, yeah, it was a draft night acquisition. Right. Uh, so they got Seth Jones for some picks and some picks for Boquist and picks. Uh, Boquist, one of our young defensemen. Um, they then signed Seth Jones to a pretty large eight-year extension, which we can get to in a second. Um They've acquired Mark Andre Fleury, the goalie from Las Vegas, for uh, pardon me if I get this name wrong, Mikhail Hakarian. Hakarian. I think uh, that's close enough. Close enough. Um, Haka 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 not going to be here anymore. Nope. Um, and that's an interesting acquisition, as we'll get to in a second. Uh, they acquired uh, Tyler Johnson. Uh, from the Tampa Bay Lightning um, and a second round pick for Brent Seabrook's contract. Because uh, obviously he's retired, as we know. Um, that's complicated and that's cap related, uh, which we can get into in a second as well. I am still going here. Uh, bear with me. Acquired defenseman Jake McCabe from the Buffalo Sabres and free agency. Uh they acquired a third round pick from Calgary uh, for Zadorov. Drew, uh, I could hear you celebrating from the <laughs> Northwood. <laughs> um, miles away. Yep. Um, they that are letting. They even got that. Like, just the fact that he's gone makes your team better. <laughs> uh, yeah, Drew's got some takes on that one. Um, they are letting Suter test free agency, which is a surprising move in my opinion he has actually signed with the detroit red wings oh and there you have it um yeah they, oh, they, great they let pew Suter go um I believe david camp signed with the toronto maple leafs yeah they didn't make an effort to re-sign him at all basically a lot of their rfas or or i'm sorry ufas um ended up leaving but you know, it was. We knew, we knew what the what the problem of the team was, and the problem of the team was that the defense core just wasn't good enough. And if you actually get Mark Andre Fleury to suit up for you for your, the Hawks, well, that fixes the other problem. Which you know, I like Kevin Lankinen a lot, but you know, I think over time and the fact that the defense got exposed. He was basically only human and could only stop so much. So, um, well, he was worked a lot last year too, and you could see him wear down towards the end of the year. And he needed help. 
and Subban was great at times, but I don't think he was that guy either. Uh, Flurry obviously is a Vesna Trophy Award winner. He's a Stanley Cup winner. Uh, been there, done that. Um, the problem is, is he's still debating whether he wants to retire or not. And I know the Blackhawks have come out and I, I think he plays. I think he got his feathers kind of in a ruffle over a supposed slight by the Las Vegas general manager. Um, of not informing him about being on the trading block? No, no, no. He they knew he, he knew he was on the trading block. It was supposedly that he didn't call, that he found out from Twitter or something that mm. a trade had happened. Well, that's how a lot of people find out that a trade has happened. I hate to be the one to tell you. Um, because a lot of times the GM is still literally on the phone as that's all going down. So I, I know I the Blackhawks slight. I don't know that it's an actual slight. I know the Blackhawks are you know very happy and they'll be glad if he suits up in a in a Blackhawk sweater uh, next season. Uh, I'm not saying that they're not, but there have been some whispers and some rumors too that the Blackhawks were banking on him retiring because he's got a hefty salary that comes with him too. Um, that if he retires, they can just write that one off and spend it, a, you know, again, somewhere else. Uh, obviously they didn't trade anything for him really. I mean, let's be real. They traded an AHL or for a Vesna trophy winning goalie who could still clearly get it done. There's no downside. I mean, it's, it's either plan A or plan B plan A is he plays and you significantly upgraded that position and you look at the rest of the lineup and all the rest of the transactions. And now that team doesn't look so bad. Option B is he retires and congratulations. Here's $7 million of cap space that you still right. go do other things with. Exactly. So explain to me how they lost on that one. They didn't lose. On oh, they didn't. Oh, no, no. They, they absolutely didn't lose yeah. for sure. It's just a matter of, what exactly is going to happen with it. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with your assessment. I think it's a win-win for the Blackhawks. Um, so they're obviously thrilled with it. Uh, you give up nothing for a Hall of Fame goalie. And and you, I mean, I get that Tyler Johnson's going to probably play in the bottom six, um, but he can win a face-off. He's a decent player. Can put the puck in the back of the net little bit yeah put the puck in the back of the net and you got that for air <laughs> you know the brent yeah, well, contract is the brent zebra contract there's no player there He's... right there's there's a lot of cap shenanigans with that trade um and well, it's, it's it's coming in and out of when he goes on long-term injured reserve and you know they basically also did a solid for tampa bay with that but that's that's a hundred percent. Yeah, no, they, no, it's okay. They literally bailed Tampa Bay out of cap hell is what they essentially did. Correct. They did a huge solid for them by taking that contract. So, you know, Tampa Bay gets to manage the long-term injured reserve and when they put Seabrook on and take them off and all that other stuff. But, um, Again, that's you got assets for air for nothing. So you have you got to mark that as a win. You have a Hall of Fame goalie and his best a, ever. 
and an all-star, a multi-year all-star who has torched you, the Blackhawks, in quite a few ways. Correct. Uh, over the last, you got those two players, and and I agree with you. He's probably not. He's obviously not a top center anymore. And if you slot him into our roster, you got Jonathan Taves coming back, which is a whole other acquisition. Um, you got Kirby Doc still on the roster. Uh, yeah, so you're slotting probably Tyler Johnson third as your third best center. Right, like I said, he's probably going to be in the bottom six, but that was a position that last year stuck out. You know, my God, who's going to play in the middle, you know, without Taylor? You know, they also re-signed Adam Gaudette for a year, too, who right. came in at the trade deadline, played very well for the Blackhawks down the stretch. Um, so you have him at center as well. Uh, so suddenly a a glaring weakness for the Blackhawks becomes a very solid core of centers. Right. Um, which doesn't really solve their defensive problem. Jones um, hopefully helps with that. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, Tyler Johnson, obviously coming off two Stanley Cups with the Lightning, uh, he's played in a couple others. Um, he brings that winning mentality and that winning experience to a Blackhawks team, which normally you'd say doesn't need it. Um, but now you look around the locker room and there's a younger and younger and younger crowd. Drew, we're talking about a summer that Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, uh, Rizzo and Bryant all leave Chicago for, you know, those cities. And it's just like, or for those teams. And it's just like, Wow, this looks different. This looks a little weird. Times they be a changing. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, there's uh, McCabe was hurt last year for the Sabers. Um, I actually secretly probably a really good pickup. I agree. I I, I think he's going to slot in as. Uh, top two line defenseman uh, right off the bat and be a impact player mainly because we need him to, especially with Boquist out um, from that trade, um, which that hurts a little bit. Um, obviously you have to give up something to get something, but um, I think there was a poll on Twitter that I saw and they're like, if you keep DeBrinket and Doc, who are you most worried about the Blackhawks trading? And this was like maybe an hour before the trade came through. And I clicked Boquist. And I'm like, I don't want to see Boquist go because he's young. I think he's improving. I think he'll be a very solid defenseman. Uh, and lo and behold, an hour later, there he goes. So... Well, I think, I think they did a disservice to both. Boquist and Henrik Jokihari, who when he was here, um, I think they brought both of those kids up a little bit too quickly in the end. I think that was how it kind of panned out. I mean, you obviously thought, I mean, basically what they did last year was they, they wanted to see if the kids could play. And if anything, Boquist's game, I, I concerned me because it looked like it was regressing. So again, you've upgraded that position by significantly significantly yeah. and you gave up a piece that yeah maybe you regret that in a couple years you know maybe he becomes another stefan robida 
or you know another or, or you know guys in different places that come back to bite you but um, Terran. Terran. <laughs> yeah you know that one that one is to me close to unforgivable just because i really like that guy but anyway we're not gonna dig those traumas back up sorry um, <laughs> but uh, uh what yeah. do you think about the seth jones contract it's a lot it, it's it's a lot <laughs> to coin your phrase it's a lot um I don't know. Too much. I'm thrilled with the with the full number of years. Eight years is a long time. But again, if you're getting, but here's the thing with Seth Jones, when that contract is over, I think he's 32. Versus when Seabrook's contract was over, he was 38. So it's a little bit different. You're hopefully getting him the prime years of his career, and hopefully. That's the guy that they've obviously put their mark in the sand to say, this is who we're going to build around. This is our number one defenseman of almost okay. the next decade. <laughs> the next guy, this is, you know, if, if, if Taves leaves, I think that's your, your captain in waiting. Really? Wow. Okay, that's a set it up. I don't know that he's worthy of it yet. But I think that's that's definitely the way that the, the management has set it up. Drew, you know what I think we need for our podcast? Have you ever watched the TNT postgame show for basketball with Ernie Johnson, Shaq, Charles, and Kenny Smith? And uh, And what they do is whenever one of the former NBA players makes a prediction, Ernie just writes it on a post-it note and sticks it up on a wall. <laughs> We need that because I think our predictions, for the most part, have really been dead on. I think we need one of these. I we think we need one of these. trade, right? <laughs> but uh, but okay, we'll we'll mark that one down. We're gonna start that tradition with you, Drew, right there. Seth Jones, future captain of the Chicago Blackhawks. I actually see a path to that happening, which is scary. Uh, I mean, oh. The other thing with Rizzo leaving and now Keith and Seabrook departing Chicago in various forms and fashions, Drew, I don't think we're going to be ready for the day when Kane and Taves call it a career. I don't think I'm going to be emotionally ready for that day. <laughs> Whenever that day yeah, happens. That'll be the last official nail to, oh, to, to a that effort. To, I mean, basically, when you take start look at 2010, and, and go all the way through through 2019. I mean, take 2020 out of it. <laughs> it's a lot uh, of marquee talent that's been through this town in the last 10 years. Yeah, no, for sure. A lot of success, but man, whew. I'm just thinking about it now. I, I Oh, that day when they leave, I can't imagine. Whether it's for, you know, retiring as a Blackhawk or something similar to what Keith had, uh, which I pray that does not happen to those two. Um, but I, I, I think they would know that if their careers are coming to an end, I think they would just call it before they regress to a point of like, man, you're not that good anymore. Like, what are you, what are you I doing? I think Paige wants to be mediocre and Kane will get bored. Yeah, I could, I could see skill wise. I could see Kane lasting longer 
um, in the league. Because um, even if his skills are regressing, they're still going to be <laughs> better than most of the forwards out there. Um, yeah, he could still he, be a point of game night, you know. Yeah. Just passing. He didn't even have to score the puck. I mean, just he could throw up insane assist numbers, but um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be an interesting day, but with Keith and Seabrook and Rizzo and Brian all leaving, it just makes you think like, man, it was great while it lasted, but we'll see. The Blackhawks, I think, are, are obviously turning it around very, very much quicker than the Cubs are about to, so. No, the Cubs is going to be a slow roll, but I mean, you get to an off season and depends on depends on a lot of factors. You know, how much money does management wish or the ownership wish to commit? And do you then trust the um, the successor of Theo Epstein, uh, which has always been Mr. Hoyer, to, to go out and, and find the talent? That's, that's now his job. Go find it. Go do it again. Drew, I'm going to throw you a curveball here really quickly because I just thought of it now, even though we've moved past the Cubs. Uh, and I'll tie it around to the Blackhawks at the end of it, but I want to get your thought. Um, the 2016 Cubs won a World Series. Their players were young, not even in their primes yet. Entering their primes, trajectory pointing upward indefinitely, Right. Could you say that they are very similar to another Chicago championship team that was one and done? The 85 Bears. A team that won. But never is dominant. True. You, you, ne- you never thought the Cubs were going to get there till they got there. But the once they got there, you're like, oh, they're clearly going to get another one. Right? Like, that was always the World Series matchup was like, oh, yeah, two, three years from now, Cubs and Astros for a World Series. Astros got there. Cubs didn't. You thought that that had the potential to happen, but that's what I go back to saying about the best team doesn't always win the World Series and the best team doesn't always get to the World Series because the playoff system is is a, a whole lot different than how you play the other, you know, nine or, you know, six months of that season. Because so, the Bears in 85 were one of the best teams ever to play the game of football. Well, in 86, they weren't much worse. Some would even say that they were better in 86, and they didn't even get to a Super Bowl. Well, they got the NFC Championship and, and lost. And the year before right. that, they had the year before they won, they got to the NFC Championship and lost. Um, and then I think 88, 89, they got to the second round of the playoffs and, mm-hmm. and ended up not, not succeeding. So, so I'm just thinking of like <laughs> dynasties that could have been that weren't, it, it wasn't like they didn't have multiple bites at the apple. They just didn't get as far, you know, the Cubs, I think you had three consecutive years for the first time in franchise history of them making the NLCS. Yep. So it depends on how you want to look at that. I mean, if you, if you, if your marker is win a championship and that's it, it's frustrating. And there is some correlation that, that, that they're both one and done. Um, 
But I don't think the Cubs were ever as dominant as the 85 Bears were. Sure, sure. I'm just kind I of mean, putting it as to, like, what so could have been. Time and enough seasoning on it, I don't – I think a lot of those, you know, the Bryants, the Rizzos, the the the, the Baez, the, the John Lester's, you know, won't ever have to buy another drink in this town, just like, this, you know, the – um, the Jim McMahons and the Willie Galts and uh, the Mike Singletary's of the world don't have to buy a drink in this town right now. Yeah. Bringing it back to the Blackhawks. <laughs> uh, they did have that that kind of magical run of, you know, three cups in six years or whatever it was. Um, they did kind of get to that peak and there was dynasty being thrown around and what qualifies as the dynasty because one bad bounce in game seven away from four and seven yeah think about it um because there's no way they lose to that ranger team right oh 100 percent. they probably sweep that rangers team exactly i mean that was like i said one bad bounce in a game seven away from easily four and seven for sure and yeah the team that you could actually argue was the best you know, top to bottom roster was the team that didn't make the finals. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's quirks of sports. It's why you watch. You can, you can play, you know, put the pieces together and sing the tool song that I know the pieces fit. Um, But it's still, you still got to play the games. You know, again, to me, it's going to be really fun in baseball to see, if somehow the LA Dodgers don't get there because boy, then does that end up looking like a waste of a lot of money? <laughs> well, what do you, speaking of a waste of a lot of money now, now we talked about the Blackhawks having money to spend and boy, did they spend it? Uh, they have some contracts now on the team again. Um, what do you think for the Blackhawks upcoming season? With the roster as it's currently set, what do you think? Are you assuming Mark Andre Fleury is playing or not? I'm assuming he's playing because he's on the roster. Okay, so assuming that he plays, this is a team that should fairly easily make the playoffs and maybe even go a round or two deep. That I think is a reasonable expectation given where the roster is right now. So you're thinking, uh, I mean, Jake McCabe is a defensive defenseman. You know, we had that conversation of Seabrook and, and Keith, and, you know, one's more offensive-minded, one's more defensive-minded. Um, I think you put McCabe with Jones. Yeah. Um, and that's your top pair. Those are your guys who will, you know, play off each other a little bit. Um, I actually want to look at the rest of the roster to see who's still on the, the D core. But assuming you don't move Calvin DeHaan, that's a piece. Um, You're hoping Flurry then covers up for a lot of yes, potential defenses in your I mean, third, fourth line. Yeah, that that was kind of the great unknown was that you know if you had, and you kind of saw it when they had um, Robin Leonard. You know, he he that was a guy for a couple of months there was kind of carrying. Uh, the weight of the team and then you know you saw how bad the decor was and he you know eventually got himself out of town and probably is better for it 
Well, that's a goalie that's in Vegas now who's going to be asked to do – and he was asked to do a lot last year. He was, for all intents and purposes, their number one goalie for the majority of the year. Right. Uh, except for the playoffs when he struggled and then Fleury came in and almost saved him until um, they ran into a crazy hot Canadians team. But um, you know who I feel bad for? Colin Delia. Yeah, I was gonna say that 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 that's a dude that just never got. He's like, all these moves you're making. Can you get me out of here, please? Like, I'm worth on the depth chart. So at least I can you can see if I'm worth it. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be a loaded goalie tryout if all stays the same heading into uh, camp. But yeah, that is true, definitely. And I'm not saying he can't compete. I mean, like Subban's job is all locked up. No. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But we knew the Blackhawks were going to be very active this offseason. We knew that uh, they have not disappointed. Um, I'm not even saying they're, they're done yet. Free this, agency this just started. Just, this was just the start of free agency. There's yeah. a lot other maneuvering and things that are going to have to happen between now and the, the start of the season. So, A lot of the big pieces have have – are now off the board. Like Dougie Hamilton was one that was there and he's off now. Yeah. I mean, in terms of defensemen, it was either going to be Seth Jones or Dougie Hamilton and Mm -hmm. they, they chose Seth Jones. So now we see who ends up being right. How do you think Caleb Jones is going to be? Cause that's that other defenseman. And I know he wasn't used a ton um for the oilers but i'd assume the blackhawks intend on playing him because that's what we're assuming we're assuming that they're all on the roster they don't necessarily have to be they can be down maybe he may be a rockford player for right right you know you may only see him for six or seven games this season you know he may be the the seventh defenseman um, so, you know, we'll have to see, I, I don't know. I, that was kind of, to me an afterthought. It's just also like when they drafted Kirby doc's brother, I don't know if he's any good, but we'll find out. He better be good. They drafted him in the second round. <laughs> he better be good. <laughs> he didn't draft him in the first round. That was kind of the, the consensus. So it, where they ended up drafting him at least made a lot more sense. Well, we uh, we've had a busy week. There's <laughs> there has been a lot that has gone down. Um, some good, some bad, some ugly, some phenomenal. So uh, we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah, I mean the nice thing is now we can at least get back to you know the games on the field. <laughs> oh, by the way, the Olympics are going on. The Gold Cup's going on. The Bulls had a draft last night. Uh, there's some stuff. There's some things. So. So, yeah, uh, I mean, stay tuned. We will we will get to all of that eventually. But um, the, the theme of the day was movement uh, between, you know, obviously the Blackhawks and, and the two baseball teams making a lot of significant moves in, in different directions. So um, always, as always, find our Twitter at 4D Experience One. You can find uh, Dan and Twitter at Daniel underscore 44. You can find me on Twitter at AFP3626. I apologize if I sound like I'm a little tired. It's been a very long day. Uh, but for Dan, I am Drew. 
we do enjoy always bringing this stuff to you, so we really super enjoy it. And as always, we will catch you all on the next one.